it is a grand old team to play for, apparently. <laughs> Just while we're talking about songs, uh, here is an extract. We are Spurs supporters and we love to watch them play. We go to all the home games and we go to those away. Hey, with us supporters following them, we know they'll do all right. We loudly cheer when they appear. Very proud of our football ground is known throughout the land And while we wait for the game to start We listen to the band I have followed, Norman Giller, your commandment to type Norman Giller YouTube Spurs theme song into YouTube So you've just heard an extract of one of the famous songs based on McNamara's band uh, Which hymns that great team of 1951 that we talked about in the first half. Uh, Norman Giller, your new book, the 124th, 114th? 114th. 114th is My 70 Years of Spurs, A Long Walk Down White Hart Lane. Uh, we'll get to the 80s and kind of where my uh, football watching era came in, but I'd just like to um, acknowledge that I own the funniest football book you'll ever read. It's not got your name on it. It's got Ricky Tomlinson's name on it. This is football, my arse. So when you put yep. together these books of lists and compendia and encyclopedia, I suppose publishers like it because it's in the best will of the world, a toilet book. Um, but this is Time Warner Books. Um, came out about 15 years ago. Uh, where did you run into Rick? Well, we sold 100,000 there. Um, yeah, I, I knew Ricky um, through... Uh, this is your life and um, several television things. I, I created a series for we hope for series when called uh, Ricky's Joke Shop, and we we got a pilot made at BBC, but sadly they they didn't take it up. But um, we've we, we worked on uh, quite a few assignments, Ricky and I. He's, he's a lo- lo- lovely scouser, you know. What what you see with Ricky is what yeah. you get. And I mean, of course. He's, he's, he is Jim Royal. <laughs> Indeed, yes, it's it's not a big not a big reach to play Jim Royal. He hardly moved in that series, and that's basically Gogglebox. He invented Gogglebox. He, he was very proud of his Mike Bassett. Did you ever see those? I loved that England? film. It, it's very of its time. I I think England should hire Mike Bassett if it all goes wrong this summer, because he is. You could tell he'd have voted for Brexit, and he would have been overjoyed when Sam Allardyce got the job, even though Sam is. To his credit, uh, more than just Sam Allardyce, what you see, he's very into um, tech and stuff. But yeah, Ricky's been in the news recently. Have you been in touch with him about that horrible court case? Uh, yes, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted he's got his name cleared. You know, he's, yeah, I mean, he's been fighting to get his name cleared for thirty years. It was disgraceful the way the way they were treated. And hopefully. Okay. His name is is more well known for being an actor and a very good stage and screen actor. But yes, this book, Football My Arse, is one of several. And there are some Coleman balls at the back, such as Des Lynham saying, Real's second goal made it 3-0. And uh, Gary Newborns, there's such a fine line between defeat and losing. Uh, And there's a Jimmy Greaves one here. The only thing that Norwich didn't get was the goal that they finally got. So when you put these together, do you... you, um, Right, create a like, Word document and keep updating it every time you see yeah. something like that. It, it's, it's just a 
great research, Johnny. Um, you know, you're as good as your research, and uh, and thank thankfully we've got Google nowadays, which makes life much easier. I mean, in in the old days, I used to live in the the British Library, going going through all the old books. But but now but now everything but everything is online. Yeah, I'm looking forward this July. Uh, hopefully by the time this goes out, I've had a nice July researching my book about the FA Youth Cup. There are lots of player autobiographies who, which are in the football library. But what I'm really looking forward to is looking into the the newspaper archive, which has moved from Collindale to the British Library, and the library have scanned everything and put it online. So would you recommend that that's a good thing to do for if I'm researching games played in the 5th, 6th and 70s? Without, without question. I mean, it's... Um... Your life has made, been made so much easier. Mm-hmm. As I say, I used to spend hours at, at the library, and I used to have to pay admission money and things. It was, uh, but, but uh, I was on first name terms with the librarians. Ooh, you know, you made it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward, especially to seeing your byline, because I'll imagine that you'll have been at some of these youth cup games. But is there, when you were reporting on for the Express, is there one game that? Um, leaps above all the others. It can be Spurs, it can be England, it can be like a Manchester United game. Um, but is there one game that you covered in those 14 years as chief football for the Express that above all others you remember? Well, I mean, you, you've, you've got to obviously pick the World Cup final. Oh, OK, yeah. But, but um, you, you're talking Tottenham games, are you? Uh, no, we can talk England 66. I think you've written about uh, that tournament as well. Memorable Tottenham game I saw, they lost, and that was against Benfica in the semi-final in 1962. You say, yeah, they they went on to win win the the World Cup, um, the European Cup. Cup, Um, But you say there was just a young man coming through then, though we didn't really know who he was. But Jimmy scored a perfectly good goal, and um, they gave it offside, and uh, we, we were very suspicious of the referee that day. Because there's no way Jimmy was offside, and even to this day, even in his illness, it still wrangles with him. You will never forgive those referees. I don't forgive the referee who booked Eric Dyer for that tackle against Spain. Now, I've looked at the uh, plate in the middle of the book, uh, and there is you and the grandson of Ted Croker, who is a name that I do know. I, I don't know much about Ted, but will he have well, had some involvement in the Youth Cup? Ted Croker. He was um, in the eighties when he was the the, the chief executive, so, so he he had been dealing with the main football. Ah, and young well, young Eric was in Portugal. So would Ted's daughter have moved to Portugal? His his, his daughter his daughter became the um, hospitality chief for the for the uh, European um, championships. When they were held in Portugal, mm. and and she was married to um, um, one of the top tennis players of, of the time, who, who became a leading agent. And um, Eric, he, he was born in, in Gloucestershire, but he grew, grew up in Portugal. His grandfather Ted Coco, he was a bomber pilot in the Second World War. And uh, at the time, he and his brother Peter, Peter Croker, they played for Charlton Athletic. And uh, the the bomber crashed, and um, Ted broke both ankles 
and he crawled for half a mile to get help for his crewmates. And that's the sort of stock that Eric Dyer comes from. I know Eric's had an illness. Is it pancreas? It's one of his organs that makes it difficult. It's much like Darren Fletcher. So so it means that he hasn't played so much. He's not in the squad for the Euros. Um, He's still at Tottenham with his best mate, Dele Alli, who has also had a tough season. Um, The move to Paris fell through. Um, Any Tottenham fans listening to this, I'm sure will agree with me. We we just cannot understand what Marino did to Dele Alli. He always does it. Every single job he has, he finds a player and uses him as a kind of fag and never plays him. He played mind games with, with Delhi, you know, and, and, and took all his confidence away. He, and he said, too many flicks and tricks. Well, well that's what we loved about uh, Delhi, his, his tricks and flicks and, and nutmegging people and, and being cocky. And, and, and he took all the cockiness out of the boy. But um, Pochettino still wanted him at PSG, but it fell through. He was, he was going there on loan. Re- remember, we're, we're saying this, um, this, this before the European finals, uh, I'm predicting now, so so you can play it back to show what a genius I am, France will win that comfortably. Clearly. Yeah, I think it's theirs to lose. Unless something horrible goes wrong and they lose to Germany and Portugal and Hungary, which is plausible, but they're so united, this team, even with Benzema coming in. I think the reason they've picked Benzema is to say, you forgot about this guy, didn't you? Well, he's here tonight. Um, yeah, it's theirs too. And if France beat England in the second round, I don't think we'll have any... Um, well, we will definitely have an inquiry, because we always do. But um, it'll be like the one in 2012, the better team one. But, but I'll, I'll be delighted but amazed if, if England win it. We won't win it. I'm, I'm saying that before balls kick. And you know who's going to get the blame? One of three people. Pickford, Southgate, Boris Johnson. <laughs> I think Southgate would be the firing line. Yeah, I think he's already making plans to move to like Crystal Palace. I don't know why he hasn't already agreed a pre-contract at Palace. He's he was a great player there. He was their captain. He's the right perfect. style. Perfect. Yeah. Very much in the mould. And who wants yeah. to go to Qatar anyway? Exactly. How the hell did they get the World Cup? Kaching. If, if you want an inquiry, that, that's the one to have. No, look over there at the kneeing and the statuing. Um, yeah. Oh, God, it, it's ter- terribly... Let's go back to the 80s. Uh, Glenn Hoddle and Ozzy Ardiles. Something in common. They both failed as Tottenham managers, but you call it strictly come passing. How good were yeah. they? they? They were magical together. I, I, I love watching them. And um, I, I would say technically, uh, Glenn was the greatest Tottenham player I ever saw, technically. Ozzy was a master of ball control and um, such a lovely man. Have you interviewed Ozzy at all? No, uh, I did see him talk as part of a panel with Graham Roberts and Ledley and uh, there was one more. Um, I think it was just three of them. At Watford Coliseum and he did cup for the Tottingham. Very impenetrable accent, but smart, <laughs> smart cookie. Oh well, he, he would have been a lawyer than yes. football. I think but, he and, uh, he must know Bielsa quite well. Well, um, the one who knows him best of all is Pochettino. Oh, yeah. Pochettino considered Bielsa his, his second father. Mm-hmm. He, he 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 joined him when he was thirteen years old. 
Newell's, Newell's old, old boys, boy. the famous story about measuring his legs while he was sleeping. Bielsa has found his match in Radritani in Leeds. Yeah, uh, but Bielsa is um, his, his, his nickname in Argentina is El Loco. I mean, he is, he is mad as a hatter, but a complete genius. And you, you talk to any of the modern managers, they always mention him as an influence. I, I love watching Leeds at the moment. They are the, the, the neutrals team, and they've come such a long way from Don Revy's yeah. dirty Leeds and even Howard oh. Wilkinson's team of 30 years yeah. ago. So, I mean, the, the team that Don built was just fantastic, and they, they, they were wonderful footballers, but they always had to go, go the extra mile and, and um, do something illegal all the time. And uh, I mean, Billy, Billy Bremner would kick to his grandmother for a win bonus. You know, it was, it was horrible to watch. But um, but what footballers they were. But, but they would do the evil stuff. Yeah, much like Chelsea's Mourinho and unlike Chelsea's Spurs. Remember when Mourinho in the Amazon documentary said, I want you to be expletives. And the closest oh. Spurs got to expletives was when they bickered at half-time as they came off the pitch, Son and Lloris. The, 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 the point I've made in the book is that um, what a contrast. Um, watching the, um, the documentary, was was seeing um, uh, shots of... Joe Jose on his knees praying and crossing himself, and then the next shot would be of him using the c word. Mm. Yes. Yeah, cussing and cussing and crossing himself. What strange bedfellows! As I, as I call, I called him a chameleon of a character. You, you never knew who you were going to get with um, with, with Jose. Mm. It reminds me of another Machiavellian man about his age who is both religious and said, "Let the bodies pile up in the thousands." But again, we don't have time to go into politics. You worked. When I was younger, I found when I found out that George Graham was sacked for these bungs, I was appalled. History seems to agree with you that he was a scapegoat. Everyone was doing it, but it was George uh, who went on to manage Tottenham, uh, who was caught. George, boy, he presented them with the evidence. He had a suitcase full of money, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Yes, Frank McClintock was... uh, yeah. Was about, but, but with, with, with George, um, he gave in to a, a, a bribe. We, we in the book we had, you know, I'll go to his book, The Glory and the Grief, and um, we were told by the lawyers we had to call it an unsolicited gift. Not once in his book we could see the word bung, but it was a bung. But George got caught red-handed, but he gave the money back to Arsenal, served his year's suspension. He was undoubtedly a football scapegoat because there was, I, I, I could name, if, if you want me to get you sued for a lot of money, I could name at least half a dozen managers who did much worse than George. Into the 90s, I, I attended White Hart Lane and the bits I remember were singing Leslie, Leslie Ferdinand, Teddy, Teddy Sheringham, You'll Never Beat Sol Campbell, David oh. Ginola with his marvellous ponytail, uh, marvellous hairdo. You've gone for a couple of... In fact, you've gone for zero players from the 90s in Spurs in your combined 11. So what did you say the TV you used to watch was nine inches? Yeah. How big are Pat Jennings' hands? <laughs> well, I, I, I was at Anfield. Um, it was on um, 1973, and it was um, the Grand National Day, and so the match was played in the morning. And... Um, Pat saved two penalties, one one from Kevin Keegan and one from Tommy Smith. 
and afterwards, it ended in a two-two draw. And afterwards, uh, Bill Shankly said, uh, "He, Pat Jennings, he should be outlawed. His his hands are shovels." <laughs> <laughs> They are. I think I've seen them in real life because Pat Jennings does a lot of corporate. Um, but ex-Watford, ex-Nord Ireland and uh, a lovely human being. Your back four includes Gareth Bale at left back. I always say that Neymar is the player of our era. But I think it's Gareth Bale because he's from a minor nation, no disrespect. Frozen out at Real Madrid, brought through by your great friend Eri Redknapp, who has written 110 fewer books than you have despite not being able to write. Uh, no, and he's, he does the most amazing things, Gareth Bale, especially in Champions League finals. I, I, I love the way he passes the ball with the outside, outside of his foot. A very, a very gifted footballer. Obviously, we've seen the best of him. I wouldn't be surprised if I knew him producing a few tricks during these Euros. Mm, I, think, I think Wales could go to the quarters or the semis. Yeah, he's, he saved himself for this. Mm-hmm. Because they love him in Wales and uh, it'll mean he can go golfing because I think he's got one year left in his Madrid contract. They are desperate to get him off. And obviously, yeah. I think Daniel Levy twisted Mourinho's arm and said, go on, take him. You've got to take this guy. Take him. Hardly played. Um, Ledley King, I said recently, I think Spurs defence need him at the moment, even though he's got no knees. He is an employee at the club. He, he was the nearest I've seen to Bobby Moore as, as a a supporting central defender. I, I, I would love to have seen a team with Mike England at centre-half and Ledley playing alongside, alongside him. I, th- I think that would have been the, the perfect central defensive partnership. And as we often and, forget... Behind them. <laughs> yes, indeed. And as we often forget, England are... The, the newspapers today said we could be playing James Walker, Shaw, Chilwell as a back four. No centre-halves at the back four, but Carl Walker is kind of an auxiliary centre-half now in the modern formation. Um, Just quick speed. I I, I would love to have Carl run 400 metres for me and and see what time he does. He's he's a fantastic athlete and um, he's built to to, to run 400 metres. I'd love to know what sort of time he'd do. He's certainly the fastest right back I've seen for many years. Mm, and you can tell why Guardiola has still employed him at Man City, even even yeah. with all the right backs that they've had recently. Yeah. You go for, in your combined Giller 11, uh, your midfield three is captained by Dave Mackay, but of course. Um, and then you've got Glenn Hoddle. And then yeah. World Player of the Year 2016. And would you believe it, he used to play for Tottenham as well. Luka Modric, the ultimate creative midfielder and when I look back on Tottenham in when I saw them and look at kind of Stefan Freund, Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez and then look at Luka Modric that's the difference between Alan Sugar's Tottenham and Daniel Levy Joe Lewis's Tottenham so Modric, Bale Modric and then Harry Redknapp as manager you're very kind to Harry in your chapter in this book my 70 years of Spurs so if you can talk about Modric and Redknapp together Going over my 70 years, there have been four fantastic passes of the ball. And, and one is Eddie Bailey, of course, in the push and run team. Two um, was were Danny Blanchard and John White, both, both wonderful passes of the ball. Then we had um, the, 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 the inc- incredible Glenn Hoddle, who was the best. But I, I would put Luca Modric and 
um, Ericsson, they, they were incredible um, playmakers. But Modric, unfortunately, the whole time he was at Spurs, his agent was badgering for him to go somewhere else. Did you remember he was always going to go to Chelsea mm-hmm. and then he ended up going to Real Madrid? So he was never the 100% settled player that we wanted. But, but on, on the ball, what a, what a player. He, he, he could dictate any game. And he's done it many, many, many times for Real, of course. Modric, Hoddle, Mackay just elbow out um, players from your Premier League era team. Moussa Dembele, who is so strong and so quick. And Edward well, Sheringham, Teddy the poker player, whom you describe uh, as a soccer scientist. I like that a lot. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was a thinking man's footballer. But, but Dembele, I've never, I've never seen any, anybody, and perhaps Zinedine Zidane, mm. for, for running all and as it was tied to their laces and, and, and like a skier, it was, they would, they would uh, slalom through through the defences. And, and, and you never know which way um, Dembele was going to turn, did you? He was, he, he was wonderful on the eye. Wasn't it amazing? Vertonghen and Alderweireld played full-back for Belgium and centre-back for Tottenham. Yeah. And you are a, you're yeah. a fan of Alderweireld and Vertonghen, who both I, make your Premier League team. Yeah, put, put, putting those together... Pochettino's peak because they, they they were the reason that they that they they did so well I think and they were marvellous together and then Song Kyung Min and, and Harry Kane up front international well they played at different different positions yeah which shows the, the talent that Belgium have got well yes you can't displace Van Song Company who would have been a I think if Company had moved to Spurs rather than Man City. I think maybe Spurs would have won some titles. As it is, Tottenham haven't won the division in 60 years, and the year ends in one. So maybe in 10 years' time. But one of the reasons I was looking forward to writing this book is that I was convinced that some, you know, something was going to happen this year. But uh, I was amazed at um, the, the way they surrendered in Zagreb. In, in the, um, do you remember they went out there with a 2-0 lead and, and, they, and they lost 3-2 in, in, uh, in Zagreb against Dinamo? Uh, just yes, I do. Yes, it was not a good night. And, and, and the Dino Dinamo striker scored a hat trick, which was given to him on a plate. Mm. Typical hashtag Spursy. Um, when you talk about Harry Redknapp, Harry is the first social media manager when he came in, uh, and so the narrative around Redknapp a small releg- smell of relegation fear. Um, but you also say he's the victim of his own honesty. Now, I've read his books. I've never met him, but... Oh, well, you, you'd love Harry. Everybody loves Harry. But the, the thing with Harry was he was asked at a press conference. But Harry said, well, who wouldn't want to manage a country? Of course I would. And from then on, you know, half the Spurs fans, the fickle fans, had turned against Harry just because he said he'd, he'd like to manage England one day. Mm. So how, how bad an ambition is that? People are stupid, Norman. That's one thing. Not any listeners to the football library or visitors therein. But there are so many. What Twitter has done is that it's democratised stupidity. Now anyone can get sacked for saying something idiotic, like your former journalistic colleague, Julie Birchill. You know what she said last week? Yeah, yeah, and they sacked her for it. Yeah, thank God for that. Um, and there are so many journalists who are. Um, in, a, in positions where their words really can carry weight, and they're just abusing the privilege for money. What was Katie Hopkins, if not an experiment in how to make money out of thin air? Literally, 
out of thin air. What is Piers Morgan's career? The major change in my lifetime, Johnny, is that um, when, when I was starting out, I, I was in a privileged position as a writer. Now, everybody considers themselves a writer. Everybody considers themselves a photographer. Everybody's got an opinion. And uh, therefore, the, the, the bona fide journalists, they're, they're, they've lost their, their power. And... Um, and that rather than um, reading uh, a journalist's opinion, they're, they're too busy getting their own opinion into print or on, online. And it's, or, it's, it's all too easy. Or even worse, and God bless Miguel <laughs> Delaney, who's one of the best, but whenever he pipes up about Newcastle, instantly he, he gets a shower of acolytes saying, you don't yeah. know anything. Where's your proof? Yeah. Who are you? Who are you being paid by? You're just a shill. This isn't journalism. Yeah. That's um, demagoguery. That's not fun. Yeah. And what Johnson has weaponized is this. He, he's read the room. He can smell the smell. And it's not fun. And I'm afraid. I know the Express has a relatively new editor. Uh, Gary was his face. Um, but it's going to be very difficult to turn around a tanker that is sailing off into the sunset in a rightwards direction. And it's just a shame. I know Ivor feels the same. The Express is not what it was. It's got the same title, and that's all. I mean, it, it sailed off to the right, as you said. Every other day they had a weather forecast as the main lead story. And... Yeah. Did Diana it's... kill the weather? Yeah. And house prices soar. It's, it's pathetic. Um, you have written for Spurs Odyssey, uh, which is a website for Tottenham fans, and your chosen charity is the Tottenham Tribute Trust. Could you talk about both of those? Well, the, the Tottenham Tribute Trust, very quietly and uh, without fuss or fanfare, looks after the old pros, the guys who missed the gravy train. I'm talking about the footballers who earned £20 a week. and Possibly, but they, 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 they may, may have gone up to about £40, £60 a week. And, but now they've reached their, the time in their lives when they need, desperately need med- medical help. I mean, Jimmy Greaves has got um, two plastic knees and a plastic hip. Um, unfortunately, um, can't express himself anymore because of a stroke. The Tribute Trust have helped him a lot. I know that they helped dear Bobby Smith have operations. Uh, they, 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 as I say, it's very quietly done. Mm. But if people want to help them, they can go to Just Giving, Tottenham Tribute Trust, and make a donation, or they could possibly buy my book and I make a donation on their behalf to the trust. And it's just my little way of paying back those old heroes that I used to write about. I've still got my marbles, just about, because I wasn't ahead in the ball. Mm-hmm. Those poor, poor old guys that I meet now, they don't know their names, and uh, it's tragic to see. And you realise the price they paid for all that, that cheering from us in their playing days. Now... They've lost in their own silent world. And uh, there's nobody cheering them. Yeah. But the trust is helping them. I know Bobby Charlton now has dementia. And there are so many of the mightiest role models and footballers in the country who just victims of this industrial disease. It's like going down into I, the pit. I could reel off 20 names. And um, the, the, the sad thing is that it, it's, it's happening at schools level now where... Um, Boys have been taught to head the ball, but they've got to cut it out somehow. It's, it's, it's 
it, the, the ball these days weighs exactly the same as those old, those old leather balls. The old leather balls, the, the leather panel balls with, with laces, they, they weighed one pound at the kickoff, exactly the same as today's beach balls. But in those days, they weren't water resistant. And therefore, but at the end of the, the, the muddy pitches they used to play on, at the end of a game, the, the ball would often weigh two and three times more. And that's why you, most centre-halves and centre-forwards in those days, they, they all finish up with Alzheimer's. Yeah, because the brain self. rattles around the skull. But but now the kids are being taught head balls, and, and I, I, I think there's movement on to stop it. Yeah, so, there, so, certainly in Scotland, they're militantly against it. So you can't tackle, you can't head. So it's snooker. We're playing snooker with Gagan Press. Yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it. Uh, you do list all the 235 footballers who have played for Tottenham since you first saw them. And it goes back to the great Vic Buckingham and Freddie Cox and Bill Nicholson through Ron Burgess, who was one of Bill Nick's favourites. I finish up picking the two greatest or the greatest Spurs player of my lifetime. And I've gone for joint winners, um, which is Ron Burgess and Dave Mackay. You know, everybody expected them to pick Jimmy. But M- Mackay was the heart of that Tottenham double team. And Ron Burgess was the man who made the push and run team tick. And Bill Nicholson told me that he was the greatest player he ever played with. And so that was good enough for me. And Dave Mackay seems, from what I've read, especially around Brian Clough, such a nice human being. Uh, some of the names of players in the 50s whom we acknowledge, Tommy Harmer, George Robb, Johnny Hollowbread... Johnny Brooks, Peter Baker, these are all very old, beautiful British names. Dave Dunmore, Morris Norman, Tommy Medwin, as you mentioned earlier. And some of the players who have played very few games. Len Worley played one game for Spurs. <laughs> was it not a good game? He, 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 he was on the books for five years. It's the only game he played. Yeah. Um, and then rushing on to um, the 80s. These are some quite... Um, Spursy names, um, Ali Dick, Paul Price, I've never heard of them, John Chidozi, uh, Nico Kleisson, Mitchell Thomas, Terry Fennick, Goodney Bergson, Naeem from the halfway line, the late Justin Edinburgh, and then into my proper era, Stefan Everson, Alan Nelson, Ramon Vega, Ivan Lenardson, Mauricio Tarico, there's only one Gus Poyer, Mido. And can, can I say what's happened? Those last about six names. Not one of them's English. Yeah. Before that, they were British. And so suddenly, there's very few Brits coming through. I feel so sorry for these young academy boys who don't get the chance. Harry Kane, thank goodness, he, he proved that he could do it. But not many even get the chance to prove it. God, I've just seen his record. Um, this goes up to the end of, um, well, to the date that it was published. So towards the right. end of the domestic season. 205 goals, 312 games. That's yeah, an amazing record, and he's such a nice bloke. Father, husband, um, captain of England, and we wish Harry well. For the Three Lions this summer, although by the time you listen to this, you will know, you're friendly or were friendly with Brian Moore, who is before my time because I'm a Clive Tildesley generation. Would uh, How well did Clive do to take over from Brian? Well, no, nobody could follow Brian. I mean, it's an impossible act to follow. So, to me, he, he was the finest of all the football commentators. Always balanced, always fair. You, you, you never felt any bias, even if he was covering England. 
There's no bias came from Brian. He just described what was happening always in a fair way rather than flamboyant way. He, he, he didn't get lost in a welter of words like I do. He would do, explain it simply. In fact, he, he commentated the Spurs way, accuracy and sim- simplicity, the way Spurs should play the game. Accuracy and simplicity. That's how he commentated I listen to a lot of John Murray and Ian Dennis and uh, Conor McNamara on Five Live, so they have to describe the pictures, whereas with TV commentary, it's all there for you. But do you think in the last 18 months there's been too much football? Well, I'm amazed at how much football there's been, but it's kept me sane, and I hope it's kept a lot of people sane. So I've been delighted that they played it. But what, what surreal circumstances. Who would have thought we'd been watching football in, in empty stadiums? But, but, but the, stand, the standard of football has been very high, I think. Yeah. Uh, you just hope that they get, players get more rest because it is a squad game now. Um, I asked George Sefton this because John Henry had made a mistake. Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy have made a mistake. What happens next with Spurs? Because I don't know any Spurs fan who should trust anything that happens now. All I can tell you is that whoever does eventually take over from Marino will get my full support and any Spurs fan should be saying the same thing and, and don't because the man's been appointed don't turn the viciousness on Levy and Lewis give that man your support if you support Spurs you've got to su- support who's in charge and we and, think um, it will be Paolo Fonseca who is actually um, the predecessor of Mourinho so effectively they're swapping jobs Fonseca and Mourinho <laughs> Exactly. Um, the, the interesting thing about Fonseca is that um, he would be the first African to, to manage, African-born. He was born in Mozambique, which is where um, Eusebio was born. Yeah, Portuguese colony. It's not a bad legacy, is it? No. So, so, but but um, he's had a, a lot of experience with a lot of clubs. He's, he's managed, I think, at least a dozen clubs. But, but always learning. He started from the bottom rung and worked, worked his way up. Ah, that reminds uh, me of Vias Boas. And look what happened to him. Um, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a better one. Chris, Christian Gross. Oh, you, you know, do you know where that tube ticket is now? It should, <laughs> should be in a museum somewhere. The football museum should have bought that. Yeah, Christian Gross. I didn't realise how young Jerry Francis was when he managed Tottenham. He was only in his 40s. He looked about 60. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like Jerry very much as a person, but, but he, he was never a Spurs man. I mean, it was a forced... Oh, he was Alan Sugar's man, because Alan needed to hire someone because of Terry leaving. When when he left, I remember him clearly saying, this this is an impossible job. And, and sadly, I think everybody continues to prove that it's a, a, a factual thing. It is an impossible job. Well, one... Mainly because the Spurs fans are so demanding... And they won't give an inch. They are. I've never, I've never seen such criticism of your own players than from Spurs fans. Oh, They're when vicious. I used to go, it was you're passing it backwards, you're going the wrong way. I used to think, yeah. come on, stop yeah. it, give them a chance. Um, but one person you have written about in this book, and we haven't really spoken about Mauricio so much, is the modern heartbeat of Tottenham Hotspur has been what Pochettino did using the Bielsa system. Uh, and got Tottenham via two very fun games against Man City and Ajax to a Champions League final, which was a, a damp squib. Uh, but have you read 
Um, the collaboration between Guillaume Balaguet, who's just written this book about Maradona, and Pochettino yeah, yeah. called Brave New World. Yeah, beautiful. It showed how thoughtful um, Pochettino is. You know, he, 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 um, well, you, you, you said that I said about Sheringham being a, a soccer scientist. Well, that's exactly what Pochettino is. He's a soccer scientist. The way he studies the game and, um, and the personalities... He, he takes as much notice of, of, of a player's personality as his physique. You know, he's a he, he's um, a master manager, and I hope one day to see him back at Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Well, he's now working for the Qatar State in Paris, so we wish him well. Uh, my seventy years of Spurs, a long walk down White Hart Lane. If anything, it's not long enough, um, which is why there are over a hundred Norman Giller titles. I, we haven't even talked about your fiction, but of all the novels that you've written, which are you most proud of? Uh, the, the, the latest one. Um, I'm, I'm write, writing. Uh, I've created a, a private detective called J.C. Campbell, and uh, he teams up with uh, an MI5 agent who, co- who drives a London black cab as his cover, and they're a couple of crime busters. I'm thoroughly enjoying the escapism of writing about it. Yeah, Beyond the Craze, the Henley Murders, the Fleet Street Murders, the Football Murders. I imagine you can find details of all of them at normangillerbooks.com. Am I allowed to drop names? If, if, if drop all, away, drop away. Well, Ronnie and Reggie, <laughs> the Cray twins, they interviewed me for the job of their PR, uh, part-time PR, for their charity organisation. This is in the, about 1963. Bottom line is they consider me too young, so I didn't get it. That triggered in my mind this idea of uh, having what happened to the London gang scene after the craze were locked away, and, uh, and that's how it became Beyond the Craze. And uh, the, the character is called J.C. Campbell, who was a Fleet Street crime reporter who was a drunkard and he got sacked, and he starts out as a private detective. Mm-hmm. All great fun. Yeah. I will, we'll have to dip into your... Amazon catalogue. And is there anything you would like to pass on to Ivor Davis at the end of this chat? We opened with Ivor. We might as well close with him. Well, Ivor Davis, to me, is the finest journalist I've worked with in 70 years. So that's the good side of Ivor Davis. The bad side is that um, he could never kick the ball with his right foot. Very (laughs) left-footed. Love you, Ivor. Didn't stop many people. Uh, Norman Gillett, thank you for this. This has been a fantastic hour and a half. This will go out after the Euros. So, well, the year ends in two. OK, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library!